But if you have uh, the perspective of, of Jodie Foster trying to figure out, you know, where, where, how to catch him, then it becomes silence of the lambs. I should say Buffalo Bill in that case, but we're murdered. It's like a death haven, man. Yeah. Or the really dark episode of the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. You're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, episode 12, part one, with author Dan Padavana. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bannister. And I'm Chad Lutsky. And you're listening to the Paleo Cheese Podcast, part of the Project Entertainment Network. It's the podcast that tosses film onto the old Chase Lounge to discuss and psychoanalyze and every once in a while to point and laugh at. And Chad, we have an amazing show today, bro. And we've got one of your buddies, a good friend, man. Yes, Mr. Dan Padabana. Dan is a prolific author who's written in multiple genres, including uh, horror post-apocalyptic fantasy, I guess maybe you could call it, uh, and crime thriller with books like Crawl Space, Quilt, his Dark Vanishing series, and his most recent Dark Water Cove series. And also wrote the foreword to my first short story collection back in 2015. So we've known each other for a little bit now. So Dan, thanks for coming on and hanging out with us, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Jeremiah, was there something that you wanted to, to ask him first? Well, first of all, let me, I got to just admit, man, I got to admit, I haven't read anything of yours, man. And it breaks my oh, heart, man. It, it does. It breaks my heart. It does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's killing me. But you know, this is, this is like, it's one of these experiences, you know, I've been friends with Chad for a long time, but now I'm kind of peeking into his world a little bit and I'm learning that there are tons of people and there's a whole bunch of books and movies that I've never seen. And I've already thrown out these terribly embarrassing admissions like to Jeremy Wagner and Sadie on on uh, from Nightworms over on Twitter about a long list of movies that I've never seen and specifically horror and it was so <laughs> embarrassing that one commenter's like what's next Raiders of the Lost Ark and I'm thinking like come on man you know I'm an, <laughs> I'm an American I've seen that movie you know but the thing is it's like you know so there's a lot of these individuals that I'm learning Chad he's a highly connected dude but mm-hmm. but as I'm you know, going in and I'm learning all these individuals and I'm learning about things that they've written and I go and I, I'm doing my homework man, and I, I check out your, um, your website and I just thought it was so awesome. A number of things, but, and we learned one actually in the, uh, in the studio right before when we're kind of in the back room there, the green room mm-hmm. about how you were on AMFM radio. I was on AMFM radio. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was awesome. But I, I learned something man about you and I just had to say it. You love Renaissance fairs. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And we just got the news like in the last two weeks that the big one up here that we have every summer is done. It's canceled. Oh, maybe, oh, maybe next year. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what their financial situation is, uh, but I, I have a hard time seeing them coming out of this very well, unfortunately. And it's great. I mean, we've been going since the mid 90s. May actually no, we've been going since the late eighties. So uh, like thirty years, we've been going this thing, and it's really sad that it's just not, you know, not happening this year. And I don't know when it'll happen again. You know, it's so crazy that you say that because you know, I bring this up in part because of something else, and I'll I'll mention it later. But my daughter had brain cancer; she passed away, 
Um, no, before, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, but but when she was going through all of that, uh, mm -hmm. they, my friend, he put together, he was, he was an announcer. I met him at journalism school and he was on radio with me and stuff. And, and he was an announcer for this football team, this local football team. And they were bringing in all these people to do a fundraiser for her, a benefit. And this, it was a medieval festival. So I have to be strict about this. It's not a Renaissance festival. It's a medieval festival. It's different. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. And so, but they come in and we had no idea, no clue. And they, all of a sudden there's all these people with swords and bows and arrows and daggers and, you know, armor and horses. I mean, it was insane. And they were real Real sword fighting. I mean, sparks flying everywhere. One guy hurt his hand a little bit. And and then they got on their knee and they were talking about how they've heard, you know, of her fame from afar. And they've long wanted to find this princess of their land. Right. And that they wanted to coronate her. And so we ended up going. It was called Black Rock. And it was totally awesome. Was smaller. Right. It wasn't it wasn't one of these huge ones. It was small, kind of in this beautiful grove and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh we went for a couple of years. She died. She went uh, that year. And then the, the following year, she wasn't able to go because it got so bad. And she passed away sh shortly after that um, or shortly before that we were able to go in her honor. But, you know, the thing is, though, is that it played such a huge role in our lives. And then all of a sudden this year, we find out a bunch of financial stuff, but they're done. They're done. And so again, man, it's, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but I actually relate to that too. <laughs> I, I relate to the, the bummer, man, but you, you were going for like 30 years. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that we went every year. There, there were times where like, I wasn't even living in the state, but, uh, we, we went probably, I would say conservatively at least half of those years. And I would say probably more like two thirds it was a weird way to get into Renaissance fairs in, in the mid and late 1980s. Uh, I became somewhat of a, a huge computer gamer um, on the old 8-bit Commodore 64. Yes, I used man. to play these, uh, yeah, he used yeah. to play these role-playing games, you know, and um, there, there was this game called uh, Ultima that I would stay up so late playing at night that I almost flunked out of college. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd just play it, you know, and suddenly I'd look at the window and it's like, oh, the sun's up. Maybe I should go to bed. <laughs> so, you know, but I was so into it. And my girlfriend uh, then, who's who's my wife now, was like, uh, we should go to the Renaissance Fair. And I'm like, what the hell's the Renaissance Fair? And she was explaining it to me. And I go, oh, that's just like, that's like the games. We got to go. Yeah, yeah. And it was, of course, it was more than that. But, you know, we, you know, we love it. And uh, we've actually met like some of the... Um, the actors um, who, you know, put it on and um, they're just great people and they really believe in, in what they do. And um, I, I'm just hoping that it, that, that it manages to survive this summer of COVID and, and yeah. uh, we get a vaccine and that comes back next year. It's just, yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, yeah. how much have we suffered over the last four or five months, you know, just trying to do our best to distance and give up things and, and uh, we're we're losing businesses that are never going to come back, right. and that's yeah. that's yeah. the scary part. Yeah, I, I've only been to one Renaissance fair. I went to I think it was called Silverleaf. Uh, I think that's one of the bigger ones, but I'm not really sure. When I was uh, what the first time I went, I'm not going to lie, man, never never went to anything like that ever. And we are surprised by these people at this football game, you know, and they take us off guard because the next day was like the coronation. Okay. So we were like, Oh, I guess we're going to stay another day and go to this thing early in the morning. It was super, super hot, man. And, uh, we get there 
and all these people are coming in and they're all dressed all crazy, man. And I, I'm not anticipating. It's like going to a rave the first time and seeing people with <laughs> pacifiers in their mouths. You're like, what is this? And, but it was this kind of weirdness that was going on. And I wanted the heck out of there. I'm not even going to lie. I, I was like, this is like nerddom, dude. Like, I am way deep at this point. But then they bring her out because they brought her in the back. And they bring her on. They open up the, the, the main gate. And it's this big wooden gate. And they open that thing. And it's all creaking. There's these knights holding it and stuff. And they all come out. And she's, standing, she's walking down the middle. She's got kind of a limp from paralysis and stuff. She's walking down the middle. And they're all surrounding her. And then they're on their knees. And they're coronating her. And bro, I've, I cried my brains out, man. And I was immediately in love with these people. <laughs> like, I'm like, I love you guys. And, and it just turned into this thing where over the years, ever since, you know, they, they were at her funeral. They, you, people can see it online. They're singing at the end. They all come slowly up as the song is going at the end. And it was planned. But they all come up the, the aisles in this big, huge church, historical building. Come, uh, come up the front. And by the end, there's like, you know, 40 of these people up in the front vikings and everything and and they've got their their alcohol up and everything and they're singing this song about saying farewell and uh it's just it was so powerful as the caskets leaving friends for lifetime friends for a lifetime and and mm -hmm. i realized you know a lot of them i mean a lot of there's people who go just to see the fun or the jousting and stuff but there are some folks man i mean it's legit for real like it's it, they they identify with that and some of them to the point where they make their own costumes. It's a whole different world, man. And uh, oh, I'm nerded out now. I'm like, I've got, I've got, I've got my own getups. You know, I've got two, two or three different things that I that I can wear. I'm a duke when I'm there. I have the key to the jail. I'm kind of a mischievous duke. Um, yeah. I'm a duke of hazard. <laughs> you know, but like, I, you know, no, so that's it, bad, dude. It's real bad. <laughs> I've been saving that one up for a long time uh, for a day just like this, Jan. But no, but I have the key, you know, because when, when all that happened, they said, you know, you guys have the key to our hearts and they, they gave me the key to the jail so I can go at any time. And so I can go and kind of sneak some people out sometimes. But it's just it's so much fun. I, I didn't anticipate going on so long about this, but I just I read that and I said, you know, I don't see that enough in, uh, you know, interviews that people have or in bios and stuff. And I said, man, he's putting it out there. I am. I got to talk to this guy about <laughs> Renaissance fairs, man. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, I'm. Um, so now we're just kind of hoping to come back. Yes. Fingers crossed. Man. So Dan, I noticed uh, a change in your writing in the last, uh, I guess, couple of years now, uh, you were, you know, you were, you're very, um, I know you're very passionate about like Stephen King and, and slasher type things and, and mm -hmm. you paid homage to, you know, some of that stuff in, in your writing with like, uh, Storberry and Quilt and Crawl Space. Uh, and and dark vanishing. I was just wondering what what made you decide to start, you know, doing the crime thing. Is it was it something that you just be, started becoming interested in, or were you hoping to maybe uh, get a little bit more, you know, notice? Or you know, I'm I'm not sure exactly what precipitated all of it. If you look through my backlist, I mean, clearly the. Uh, the book that I wrote, Her Shallow Grave, which was once Severity, which you edited, uh, is is a psychological thriller, um, mm -hmm. pretty much like what I'm writing now. And I made the mistake of not recognizing it as such, and I marketed it as a as a horror novel. Yeah, put a horror novel novel cover on it, um, gave it a horror novel name, 
And it just, I could tell from the beginning, it just wasn't clicking. It wasn't clicking with my readers. It wasn't clicking on Amazon. It, it was going to be a dud. Uh, and the minute that I, I decided to embrace what it really was and, and uh, give it a psychological thriller cover and name, uh, the sales immediately picked up. No great shakes. I, I had already kind of killed it with my horrible release strategy. Uh, but it was it was definitely coming back a little bit, and I I also thought too that uh, Dark Vanishings is just such a weird uh, anthology or, or a series that I wrote. It's got a lot of thriller in it. It's 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 some horror, it's some adventure, it's some fantasy, and I think it's a lot of thriller. Uh, and so I, I, I think I was kind of heading down, down that thriller path anyway. And I happen to be working with um, a couple authors who, who I like. And um, it's a couple years ago now. And I, and I remember saying, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to get down on writing. I mean, I'm just not, I'm not getting anywhere. I put out new books and I'm spinning my wheels and I'm making the same couple hundred bucks a month or whatever. And, it, and I just, I just feel like I'm not getting anywhere. No new books are, are pushing me up into a different level. And, and, um, one of them, uh, just replied to me, um, you are aware that, uh, there isn't a single category of horror right now, which anybody's buying on Amazon. And I just kind of looked at him and it's like, oh, okay. And you can prove this. And he could, um, because he had like that Kalytics uh, software, um, and, and basically, if you weren't Dean Koontz or you weren't Stephen King, you were not selling horror at that moment. I mean, there's a few indies out there. If you check the charts, they're doing pretty well. But I, even a lot of them, I look at them and I'm like, well, that's really not horror that they're writing. I think they're kind of writing other stuff and, and marketing it as horror and kind of dominating the, the category because there's mm -hmm. not much competition. Um, so he, he basically said, um, you know, you should really think about doing something else. And he said, you've written thrillers, right? And I said, yeah, I, sort of. He said, well, maybe go down that path. Um, other writers uh, who do much better than I do have, have talked about this. So this is not uh, by any means um, uh, something which I'm coming up with on my own. But, um, you know, the idea was that uh, if, if you want to maintain your artistic integrity, and you want to increase your sales, you need to find the happy medium between the two. And what you do is you, you think of things like a Venn diagram. You've got this, this one circle which has everything that you love to write. And this can be anything from like genre to characters to situations. Um, and then you've got this other uh, circle which represents everything that you love to read that also does well. And that's important that, that it, it also does well, that people are actually buying it. Um, so, and it has to, it has to mesh. It has to be something that you like to read as well. Um, and that you may like to write in, in the future. So for me, I mean, I, I look at, um, there's a lot of steamy romance, which absolutely dominates, uh, um, Amazon and, you know, is pretty much uh, money in the bank, but I don't like that to write that type of stuff and I wouldn't even consider it. Right. And I started thinking about, you know, like thrillers and, and okay, so what am I going to do? Am I going to write like a Jason Bourne type thing here? Am I, am, am I going to go down like the Mark Dawson wrote or something like that? And I started to think about it says, well, what are my favorite books? And, and, uh, I just recently reread, um, the first two books in the Thomas Harris series, the Hannibal Lecter stuff, 
and and come back to the realization of how much I love those two books, Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, are just they're just such masterpieces which uh, straddle the line between horror and thriller, and and that just clicked. It said, "Well, I write about serial killers all the time. Why am I not writing serial killer thrillers?" And so that's I decided, okay, let's go down the psychological thriller serial killer route and I can keep a lot of what I'm already doing, add in like somewhat of like um, police procedural or FBI procedural uh, type background to it. And um, now I've got something which, um, you know, is, is the, you know, a better backbone for getting my name out there. And then it just became um, a combination of really good covers um, really working hard on the descriptions and then, um, learning advertising. And that's like a daily learning process, um, and being willing to lose some money along the way too. But once I figured it out and, and started to, to get on a roll, I realized I've got something here. And then the, you know, the best, the best feedback you can get on a, on a series is that as soon as you put out book two after book one, people buy it. And then you put out book three and it's like, boom, you know, it, it's just, you yeah. know, everybody who bought book, book two is buying book three. Uh, and that's what I'm seeing with Darkwater Cove. And uh, there's really no reason to go back at this point because I, I love what I'm doing. I love writing every day. Um, these stories are, are just a ton of fun and um, people, people are embracing it. And um, I really don't see where my writing is that much different than what I was doing before. Although I, you know, you pull back, you don't do all the blood, all the gore and, and you don't quite hit them with the horror as hard as you did before, but I still go for a lot of the creepy scenes. I still do a lot of stock. And um, it's just that the people now are, are like, wow, you know, where have you come from? And it's, it's working out for me. That's great to hear. I'm really glad to hear that. What you said about um, you're writing the same thing. I haven't read any of that new stuff. And so I can see that, man. Yeah. Like basically if the, like the Darkwater Cove stuff is just like crawl space or quilt, but, but it's marketed different, you know, well, different, sort different. of it. I wouldn't go that far because it's like you read crawl space and it's like, okay, this is a, this is definitely a horror novel. This is something yeah. that, it's you know something a, a Richard Layman, uh, Jack Ketchum type uh, book from from back in the day. Um, there's really it's very bare bones, um, and it's very horrifying at times. Whereas Darkwater Cove is more like okay, now I'm seeing things from the from the perspective of like uh, maybe an investigator or whatnot. Um, kind of it's almost like. Uh, Hannibal Lecter, you 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 set him set him in a house and he starts murdering uh, teenagers and you've got Halloween. Uh, but if you have uh, the perspective of of Jodie Foster trying to figure out you know where, where how to catch him, then it becomes Silence of the Lambs. I should say Buffalo Bill in that case, but you or know, murder you hero. With it. Or murder <laughs> <Yeah>. hero. <laughs> yeah, it's like or, it's like a Death Haven, man. Yeah. Or the really dark episode of the Dukes of Hazard. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The the one they they banned. You know, it's yeah. funny when you were talking about when you were talking about you know um, bad marketing and stuff. You know, I'd love to I'd love to hear that too. But like the as soon as you said that, I was thinking smoke signals. Like that would that would have to be the worst idea. You know, for for <laughs> marketing. But in 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 reality, though, being serious. Um, something you said that I think is really cool because we've had other people on and they, you know, they're, uh, um, most of them are, have been writers 
And a lot of times for them, it is, you know, do what you love. And there is a real value to that. But sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, if people just do what they love um, and not do what they must sometimes, there, there's this idea almost that those two things are inherently antithetical and that they can't actually coalesce. That, that if you figured out a way, for example, to do things that you must, to continue doing things that you want. And that those two things can actually harmonize and that you can write in this way and it's mark, it, it, it's more mass marketable. You're seeing bigger gains in what you're doing and it allows you con to continue and to expand on that creative dynamic that you have as a writer. And I, 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 I don't know. I just, I thought it was just such a cool, a cool thing to think about. And it's a little bit of a different twist than what a lot of other individuals that, you know, and it worked, that works for them. I mean, there are some, there's all different. I got that book, Being a Writer. You know, it's got a, a whole bunch of different writers' suggestions and stuff. And one thing I've learned is that there is no, there is no one thing <laughs> that, yeah. that just works. <laughs> They're all different, man. It's it's different for different people. And so to hear that from you, it's really encouraging because you know, I've said this before, Chad and I. We've had conversations about this. You know, I spent all my time for years of my life uh, talking politics and religion and culture and debate stuff and all that. And this is not that, okay? But at the same time, we talk about analysis. We, we analyze books, literary criticism. We talk about culture. We talk about symbolism. And, and all of these things that are kind of in the background, even, even uh, uh, soundtracks, right? Music, composition. And so our art, all of these things. And that, to me, is a way where, yeah, it's, it may not be what, I, what I've loved strictly, for a long time, but I'm finding that this, what I'm doing right now, I love this. Like I've told Chad, I said, I want to, I want to be those old dudes on a porch, man, like <laughs> make, making podcasts, and, you know, at 80 years old, <laughs> I, said, I do, man, I, I love it. And so I, I'm encouraged by what you said. That's, that's the long and short of that is I'm just really encouraged by what you said. I think the Venn diagram approach is really important so that you continue to, write uh, something that you love. Uh, but there's also, absolutely, if, if you aren't that concerned with commercial success and all you care about is the art, then more power to you and just write purely what you love and don't worry about the sales. Worry about the fact that, you know, people who read your books um, love what you're writing and just share it with them. Um, to me, I hit a point in my life where, I have been writing for six years, I guess, and it, I, I can't say that that's very long time in this business. It's not. Uh, but when you're working a full-time job on the side and you've got two kids and a wife and you like all these other recreational activities, at some point, if, if it's not paying the bills or paying a bill, why, you know, why am I going to keep doing this? Um, because, you know, literally I was spending, you know, maybe an hour and a half in front of the keyboard writing and then, uh, you know, another hour trying to s figure out marketing ideas. And but by the time that I'm done with all this, um, what do I have to show for it? You know, and I'm losing out on all this free time, all this stuff that I could be doing. So I, I started looking at it kind of almost like, you know, career perspective. This has to pay me. If I'm going to continue to write at this level and write these many books, it has to pay me. So I got a lot more serious about what I was doing. Um, I tried to formulate a plan. And, um, you know, I, again, I tried to stay within a scope where I would not only love what I'm doing still, 
and uh, it would also be relatable to people who came came to my books from horror. They already knew me from Camp Slasher or, or Crawl Space. And so it's not that much of a shock when they pick up Darkwater Cove. Yeah, I'll admit to really struggling with with trying to market my own stuff because um, it's not there's no niche for it. And I've I've been torn between I've entertained the idea so many times of even writing to market because like you, I don't I mean, it's it's like fun to write, but I'm not one of these people who are like, um, if I didn't have writing, I would die. I, I live to write. That's not me. I want money. You know, I yeah, want yeah. to be able to quit my yeah. job. But, you know, artistic integrity also is what stands in my way because I want to do it my way and I want to write what I want to write about and write for me, hoping that there will be people out there that I will find those people and and enough of them to where that I, you know, I can quit and just write, uh, write for me. But yeah, I mean, I've toyed around with all kinds of um yeah, I, I could never write something like science fiction or fantasy. I haven't read enough of that, and it, especially science fiction. And, you know, the people that devour those, they would tear me up because I don't know the <laughs> rules, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'd stick to anything that might have to do with just real-life relationships, you know, whether that be something horrifying. But, like, I think I could pull off, like, a... A romance. I mean, I mean, I kind of wrote one, but it was like a tra tragic romance thing. But I think I could maybe pull up. But then is the fun gone after that? And is it just a job just like the one that I have? Right. Between so, the sheets is a lot of fun, Chad. Between. The <laughs> 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 you, yeah, what, what did we say? What did we say that I've, I've called it, man? Was it between the sheets? Beneath, what, beneath the Beneath the, beneath sheets. the stirring sheets. Yeah, beneath the know. stirring sheets. <laughs> <laughs> beneath the stirring gray sheets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so yeah and i think i prefaced one of those with saying it's my favorite book i've ever read <laughs> no <laughs> yeah and then i just say the wrong name so, no what what are you reading right now jeremiah me yeah man i ain't reading jack dude i'm not no. reading any no it's been so depressing this whole week well you no, haven't had time i haven't had time Bonker Town, dude in the Bannister House. I, I've been uh, super dupes busy. Um, well, I, you know, I, I I read passages uh, from the Bible with the kids because we're doing a thing as a family where it's kind of a storyline and you kind of follow a different thing every day. And so you, you do it for you do it for ninety days. It's a whole bunch of fun. And so and difficult. It's, it's challenging, but it, you you read reflections and stuff, but nothing fiction. Um, and so it's really been bumming me out, man. But I, I anticipate once the uh, Lansdale, because this is recording after the Lansdale podcast will have been put out there. So now that the Lansdale podcast has been published, uh, I'm going to have more free time. Okay. So it, it, we just had a whole bunch of stuff, you know, because we actually took a week off where we, we gave ourselves a little bit of time, which was, it was a little sad, man. I was a sad panda, not going to lie. You know, I was like, man, dude, you, you get used to doing these recordings and then you don't do them. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I get the night off. And then you kind of like look at the clock and you're like, where's Chad? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're you're bummed out. But I've been watching. I've been so no at night. OK, once all the work is done and everything else, I'm not even reading news hardly. I mean, just nothing. And so. um uh, but at night, when I go upstairs, I've watched a couple different movies. Of course, watch the one we're going to talk about today. Um, and 
we'll have a lot to say about that. Uh, but I also watched Frailty. I'd seen that before. Oh, okay, but yeah, I watched that. That's a good one. Like that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I absolutely love it. You know, I mentioned this before that my family, we really love Super Friends. Like it is very nostalgic for our family, uh, the cartoon. And, and my we watched every single episode they ever made of all the different variations of that show, which had all these different rebirths, you know, <laughs> like they're like, you know, rebooting it. And it's a different name and it's longer and then it's shorter again with different. So it was always changing, but we love it. And so we're looking up, you know, what are what are other cartoons like that? And we found um, a Batman one from the 1960s and uh, went and watched it. It's good, but it is not super fun. It's not it's not even the same kind of style. Like there's certain elements that are so different. And so my kids were kind of bummed a little bit. Right. They still like it. But it was just like, man. So I had this great idea. I said, man, I said, I remember telling Lansdale that I used to when I was growing up, I'd put that talk boy device from Home Alone. And I would put that thing right next to the TV during dinner because on, um, I think it was FX at the time, like it was first out and stuff. I, think, I didn't even think the shield was on yet, but they, they, uh, they, they would play Batman, right. With Adam West. And I would record that during dinner. And then after dinner, I'd stop it. And I, at night when I go to bed, I'd play it. And it was like listening to old time radio to go to bed. And so I thought, I said, man, I bet you they'd love that. Oh my gosh, dude. They are freaks for that show. They love it. They uh, they just consume it like crazy. And uh, they love all the characters, with the exception of, I, I think, Pharaoh. I don't know if this is his name. Or King Tut. They don't like King Tut. I don't, I don't really care for him either. But, you know, um, they like all these different characters. They love the show. They love the colors and everything. And And it's such a good show. And it's so ridiculous and even a little bit charming, maybe. Um, but it's also like there, there are certain things that adults, maybe at the time it was risque, you know what I mean? I got the go-go girls and stuff every once in a while. And uh, Adam West, his, his dancing is extremely scandalous um, as well as Robin's costume. <laughs> um, but you know, the thing is, <laughs> oh, it's so true. And so, you know, but like, it's pretty uh, tame, you know, it, it's, it's innocent. There's an innocence to that show. So I'm not even worried. Like, I don't even think like, I better check the parental guide for this and figure it out. Just let that bugger run, man. You know, it's probably, probably more innocent than watching Dora. I mean, I'm like, for real, this is like super, super (laughs) child friendly. And so it's, uh, but it's been awesome, man. And so even though I haven't been able to finish the books, I've been wanting to finish and, and everything else. I got some on the agenda, uh, being able to watch that with the kids after a long day's work has been a huge payoff, but I don't know, man, that's, that's me. Dude. What about you? Um, reading. I just finished, uh, the Hanover block by Gregor Zane. Uh, very bizarre. All of the books. There's like uh, I think there's going to be four of these. I think three of them are out now. Uh, and I ended up, this, it, it, it's pretty good. I'm not really going to say what it's about, but it, it's not full on bizarro, maybe bizarro light, but it the first half reminded me a little bit of uh, J. David Os- Osborne's Black Gum and uh, what's the one he wrote, the sequel to Black Gum, uh, uh, A Minor Storm. Kind of reminded me of that, but a lot less drugs in it. And so I, I went ahead and I bought the, the second one, Brides of Hanover Block, which is m- another weird, strange sculpture that looks kind of like a phallic thumb 
something. I'm not really sure what it is, but uh, my my wife hates these. Uh, <laughs> she hates these covers. And I had them sitting out, and she was doing some artwork, and looked over and saw it, and flipped it over so she didn't have to see it. <laughs> and I actually talked to Gregory yesterday because we were on a podcast together talking about uh, self publishing in small indie publishing. And I told him about that. He said, yeah, his wife uh, doesn't like him either. He won't even read him. So but th- that's basically what I've been reading. Actually, I started reading uh, Paul Tremblay's uh, A Head Full of Ghosts, which Ooh. I've heard good things about. And I've, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I've kind of stayed away from it. The, the, the whole possession stuff freaks me out, man. Like Exorcist. And uh, if anything can, can give me the heebie-jeebies. A lot of horror movies don't, but that kind of stuff does. But uh, I'm about 30% in and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I have never read anything by Tremblay before, uh, but I have a couple of his books, just hadn't read anything yet. What about yourself, Dan? What have you been reading, watching, listening to, whatever? Well, first, first I'll just say that, uh, that that's a great book. I loved yeah. that book. Uh, and I'll give you a fair warning too, if you decide to move on from that and read uh, Disappearance of Devil's Rock. Mm-hmm. If you have um, if you have a teenage son, it's going to yeah. be really difficult to read. Really difficult to read. Okay, or actually a teenage kid at all. Um, yeah. So he 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 has a way of uh, of really ripping at your heartstrings, um, as well as uh, freaking you out too. So mm-hmm. he's he's straddling he's straddling an interesting line, and I, I think that you'll see it as you get farther into that book. Um, I just finished uh, Devoted by Dean Kuntz. Uh, which again featured a hero dog. That was good. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> which I absolutely love because I love dogs, and I just he, he's he's wearing it on his heart sleeve now. He's just like every book is just going to have this this hero dog in it, and uh, this one was a really special superpower hero dog. So I was loving every second of it. I um, had a great time with that, uh, and it's very well written as, as all of Kuntz's books are. Uh, and it just is one of the, again is is he he manages to straddle that that horror thriller line you know so well. Uh, and also, uh, I read uh, uh, "Losing Leah Holloway" by Lisa Reagan, who's a psychological thriller writer, and uh, that's the second book in in a very short series that she wrote. Um, and it was. Um, really disturbing at times and um, excellent. And uh, she's one of the more talented in that, in that genre. And uh, certainly one of the people I, I look up to. When you said, when you said dogs, man, I thought that you were, uh, I was like, is he breaking that line that you said you wouldn't do (laughs) if it was about a book that where the victim or something terrible (laughs) happened to a dog, you know what I mean? So when you said hero dog, I was like, Oh, okay, good. You know, because you, you I don't think two, yeah Coons you mentioned two about writing with book. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned two with uh you know not writing a book about anything to do with cancer and by the way about your wife you know congratulations as uh you know it's awesome to oh, hear stories yeah. of people yes yeah, yeah survivor yeah. yeah big time man so big big, big huge supporter okay of, of that kind of stuff but I'm writing a book about that right now so when I read that I was like I was like, I understand, man. <laughs> like, this is yeah. painful to do. This is not. Oh, yeah. It's fun and it's charming and cute and stuff. But I, I'm with you, man. And uh, there's no, there's no dead dogs in the book. That's one thing. Okay, there's none of that because I mean that would be like insult to injury already. You know what I mean? But I'm glad to hear it was a hero dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
You know, I, I haven't read anything new from Koontz in a long time, like any of the books that people are complaining about. I haven't read. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the, the newest book I read from him was Intensity, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Oh, yeah. Intensity was just, it was intense. I mean, it, it was, uh, couldn't put it down and just nonstop. I don't think I've ever read anything quite as uh, thrilling as that book. As far as uh, just something just constantly going. And was eventually, in my opinion, ripped off by uh, Hop Tension. Oh, I mean, it was... Badly. <laughs> when I was watching that, um, yeah, I mean, up to a certain point, it's yeah. scene for scene, you know? Mm -hmm. Except were, for the stupid swerve, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, lo I love that movie, but for sure, I, I just couldn't believe that they kind of got away with that. But yeah, when I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, is this... Is this just a like a, a what was it French version of Intensity or something that I'm watching right. here? Because this is right. the exact thing that happens in the book. But yeah, exactly. Somehow they got away with that. <laughs> so Jeremiah, are you watching anything at least? Well, other than Super Friends, you said Super Friends, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Any other well, movies I... other than, other than Just Before Dawn? Uh, well, I'll tell you, no, not yet. But see, the master is putting together Mr. Wagner, Mr. Jeremy Wagner is putting together a list of uh, classic horror must see films. And so, because I've admitted, man, is this, I mean, it's a ridiculous list. I mean, people can go on Twitter. I think paleo cheese retweeted it <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it got some flack, you know, because it's like, I'm oblivious. And it, it, you know, I, I told people, I said, I really only growing up, I really only saw two movies that were horror films. You know, I, I've never seen, I'll just throw this out there. I've never seen it. Never seen, I never saw Jaws until recently when I made the reaction video of Jaws. Never saw Dude, it. you haven't seen Evil Dead. I haven't seen Evil Dead. I haven't seen Army oh of Darkness. God. I haven't seen, now I did see The Exorcist, but that was when I was older. You know, I was, I was probably in my late 20s, I think, when I saw that. You know, I was born in 78. So, I mean, it, I was <laughs> a little late to the party. Same, same with Omen. It was around kind of the same time. Never saw Poltergeist. Plan on watching that. The, the only movies that I can really say, oh, and this is silly, but it's true. I've never seen uh, it, the entire way through any of the Freddy movies and none of the Friday the 13th movies. Never. I've seen Halloween. I think I saw one, the original, you know, but again, that was in my 20s. So it, was, it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I actually started watching anything that was really scary, except for the movie fortress and that's another one that's kind of like hard to find about the 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 kids in that school and all of a sudden there's a a dude in a santa claus mask outside the window with a shotgun and they're like freaking out and they look over and there's a dude in a rat mask and a cat mask with the shotguns they kidnap the kids and bring them out to a mountain and put them in a cave and you know you see that's yeah, got a skin scene in it right followed by a dreadfully terrifying scene with the grandmother next to old santa face i saw that it traumatized me for at least at least a year um but i also saw and i would categorize this as horror i know some people might say well that's well, come on but it, look it, it depends on where you're coming from but the thief in the night series right when you got i'm dead serious dude when you believe if think about it you got scenes with with the uh, the the government coming after everybody, and everybody's got to get tattoos on their forehead, and if they don't get tattoos on their forehead, they can't buy anything, and then they're told that if they don't get it, that they're tracked down by the military, brought into a jail cell, put in these gowns, and you've got that scene, man, with this little kid, 
and the mom and the, or the dad, the mom. And then there's a guy who's not really the dad, but he's kind of the fatherly figure now that the rapture happened and everybody's vanished and stuff. And they're sitting there and they come up and they're like, are you ready to take the mark, little boy, the tattoo on your forehead? And he's like, they're like, don't do it, you know, and he they give him a balloon or whatever. And he walks out and he looks back and everything and the music starts playing, you know, people get ready and all this. And they're looking out the window and you hear the guillotine. And yes, they got a straight up guillotine with a little basket for the heads to plop into. And the guillotine comes down and as the music's playing, and that little red balloon goes flying up in the air, dude. And I'm like 10 watching that and i'm surrounded by people who are like this is happening I'm like no like, like you know so i mean now that, that scared the living daylights out of a man dude a little guy and it freaked me out and so i know some people say, well it's not really but depending on where you're coming from and depending on what world you're in and and stuff like that that was that was it but other than that man i really was completely oblivious so he's putting together a, a class syllabus man for, for me and Sadie, actually, because I guess Sadie hasn't seen a lot of certain films, too. Uh, Sadie Hartman. And uh, and so he's putting something together. We're classmates in this, man. And so we're going to we're going to watch a bunch of those films. But I haven't done it yet. I haven't gotten it yet. So, Jeremy, get on it, man. I'm waiting. buddy. <laughs> well, I, I just finished the second season of Dead to Me. Have you seen that, Dan? On Netflix? No. Nope. Oh, man. Talk about some good writing. That is an excellent show with incredible acting in it. It's got those kind of like cliffhangers at the end of episodes that like annoy you because they're such a cliffhanger. And it's like, mm -hmm. man, you're really doing it. You're making me at least watch the next five minutes of the next episode. And I need to go to bed. Yeah. I, I finished that. Um, great show. And then um, I watched a movie that I had heard of called The Boy. And I hadn't seen it. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. Really, really enjoyed it. Great horror movie. It, it, it had some cool, you know, kind of twists in it and stuff. And yeah, really, I, I recommend that, man. It was good. I gave it like a personal, like, I think four stars or something like that. And then I watched a movie yesterday called Z, which I was not that impressed with. That's on Shudder. The first half was cool. A couple of creepy scenes. Uh, second half completely fell apart. Very cliche. Some CGI it just ruined some things. And yeah, so I don't really recommend that. And I watched uh, a movie from the 70s called Squirm, which is the was written and directed by the guy who did Just Before Dawn. That's right. So yeah, Squirm was was cool, man. I, you know, I, I can there's something about movies done in the 70s and 80s. I really don't care if they're bad. I will enjoy them. You know, just the, <laughs> that aesthetic, the music, you know, being born in, in, in 1970, it just takes me back to being a kid and you know so there really isn't you know when i watch something like in the in the 80s something really bad like i don't know, microwave massacre or something that's just horrendously bad nobody should be watching I'm, I'm loving it but it's it's nothing that i'm recommended i recognize that i'm loving this for a certain reason i'm loving it because uh it's very nostalgic for me you know like i said aesthetically and and uh the music and just some of the the hokiness so any anything you've been checking out dan watching i've probably been all over the board uh we're my wife and i are binge watching um i'm way behind uh on this but uh we're binge watching uh parks and recreation yeah it's a great show yes yeah. man yes i everybody told me well it's you know it, it's it, if you like the office you're gonna like parks and rec but i we put it off for a long time and and as soon as we started to watch it it's like oh my god this is gold yeah. it is so yeah. funny 
So it's just killing me. So, so that's like my comic relief. I'm, I don't usually watch shows even all, although I do have YouTube TV. I almost never watch the, uh, the first run stuff cause I can't stand dealing with commercials. So, uh, now that, um, uh, better call Saul's uh, last uh, season popped up on Netflix, I'm, I'm watching that, which is just all oh, the writing and, and the cinematography. I mean, everything is just gorgeous in that, in that show. I just love, I love the characters. Um, so I'm, I'm melting in that for, for now as well. Um, been going back and watching some old school movies, including, you know, the one we'll talk about today, just before dawn. Um, some of the more cheesy type stuff from, from the eighties I've been watching just, uh, I think because of all this going on in the world, I've, I've needed an escape and um, needed to remember the way life was, you know, when I was younger and had um, fewer, fewer worries. Um, and of all things, too, um, I tried to go back and watch one of my favorite movies from, um, I guess it was circa 89 or 90 or 91, uh, the Spike Lee's um, Do the Right Thing. Uh, and I've always been a huge hip hop fan and that movie just resonated so much with me when, when I first saw it and I started to watch it and I, I got so depressed because I realized that nothing has changed. It's been, you know, it's been over 30 years and the same goddamn things are still happening and the same prejudices are still out there. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it anymore. I just turned it off and it's like, and it's not because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just can't man up and get through it. It's like, I, I just gave up, you well, know, you know, because when I, when I walked out of that theater, I remember walking out feeling like, you know, our generation is going to change a lot of things. And now I'm seeing my, my kid's generation. I'm wondering, well, are they going to change anything? Because ours didn't, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, talking about the need to escape and I'm, I'm with you on the need to escape. You know, I, with things going on in the world, being locked down for so long and, you know, work all around the place and stuff. And I, I normally have, you know, a book to dive into or something like that, or I get, I find myself lost in lost and I haven't even been watching lost. I haven't even, you know, we kind of <laughs> suspended that thing. You know, we were watching, we got to I forget what season, man, we're pretty, pretty deep into it though. And you call yourself a Duke of Hazard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do, man. But like, I'm just, you know, the thing is, I'm, I'm so, uh, it's so difficult that I, I, I said, man, I I need to escape. And I kind of that, that thing, you know, to maybe watch something that's a little bit goofy or maybe even outside the wheelhouse a little bit. And, uh, but see, here's the thing, man, I I learned when I did this, because I was like, well, my wife, I'll follow my wife's lead on this. She's, she wants to watch this movie. It's on. I think Netflix or something or Amazon prime. And so we, we go on there and she's watching and stuff. And I, I realized Chad that, you know, there are some movies that really are just very bad and maybe that nobody should watch them. And I'm sorry to step on certain toes and I'm sure that I will, but dude, I'm sorry, man. I thought captain Marvel sucked. Like I really hated it. And I felt badly because I'm like, you know, we don't, we don't do Marvel movies on this show, right? Ever. Um, that's kind of actually maybe kind of a rule <laughs> that we have. They were like, you know, but I like comic books, man. I'm a big comic guy. I like, you know, I, I like the whole thing and we watch all of them, but I hadn't seen it yet. And I remember hearing the hubbub about it, you know, so I've heard people's takes. And I think a lot of that's politically motivated and politically driven. You know what I mean? Um, on both sides, like the criticism and the the, the praise, especially having seen it now, you know, because mm-hmm. um, my criticisms are not the same as a lot of the other people. I just thought it was a bad movie. I thought so much in it was like, what am I watching? Like, what is this? And it was, it was hard to take it too seriously. I was getting frustrated, man. And, uh, you know, again, maybe somebody can convince me otherwise, (laughs) but my eyes have seen what my eyes have seen. 
and uh, and and that that just the initial gut thing, you know. And people have different tastes and different palates and tolerance levels and stuff like that. And so, I mean, people people like different stuff. But as for me, I sat there and I was like, "Bruh, like, dude, no." And it really it actually made me kind of sad. Like it was, it was, it's kind of like the Ghostbusters thing. Like I was actually hoping that that Ghostbusters movie. It was really controversial. It would be like super dope, and I could just go and watch it and be like, Maha! or that Doctor Who, the new Doctor Who, you know, would be just mega dope, mind blowing, epic awesomeness. And I, I'm all pumped, and I go and I watch it, and I'm like, oh man, no, like this is not good. And so it kind of broke my heart a little bit, you know. But I, but I can say I've seen it, and I could say positive things. I won't do it right now. We're not reviewing that film, <laughs> so I don't need to do it right now, man. I'll leave that one for the cutting room floor. But, but. I saw it and uh, it was an escape. All right. I was escaping <laughs> big time. So, so, but yeah, Captain Marvel, bro. Speaking of reviews then. Yes. Let's, let's get to uh, just before dawn. Let's do it. Welcome to wild speculation, a podcast where each episode is a short story that explores one of the many strange, wonderful and sometimes disturbing worlds of speculative fiction. You can find us at wildspeculation.buzzsprout.com, on the Project Entertainment Network, and wherever else you find podcasts. So sit back, enjoy the story, and let your imagination run wild.